Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, just to come to God's Word for a few moments tonight, Acts uh, chapter 2 and verse 1. And I just want to ask a simple question uh, tonight for you to answer in your heart. That is, that the Father, God the Father, has a gift for you. That gift will be in His Son's name, Jesus. And that is the promise of the Father for you. I want to ask you a question, believer tonight, first of all. Do you want to receive that gift? If you haven't, do you want to receive that gift? It's a gift from God the Father. It's in the name of Jesus. It's the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And it's a promise to every believer. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, just for a few moments. When the wind blows, 20, 20. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. How many times have you read this verse? Many times have you pondered these verses? Many times have you gone through this chapter? Many times have we preached it? Many times have we studied it? Many times, but God, would you make it a reality in this room tonight? The day of Pentecost was fully come. And they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sign from heaven as of a rushing and a mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And for a moment, you can leave your Bible open in Acts chapter 2. We'll just end for a moment the reading there. What really do we desire? It's a very important question because desire is really a very crucial part of what the purposes of God are and what we desire in our hearts. For even the year as we look into it, 2020, we've moved into it already. But really, what is our desire? What is the desire of the heart? And you know what? You, you can't see what my desires are, and I, I can't see what yours are. But desire is going to be crucial. Really, it is crucial when we come to the movings and the dealings of the Spirit of God. You know, the Bible says that if we hunger and thirst, there's a desire there. After righteousness, then we shall be filled. And so really tonight... What your desire is, you know, we could preach from morning until night and preach God's word and preach the truth of God's word in the power of the Spirit of God and the anointing of God upon the word. But really, in the hearer's ears, is there a desire in your life and in your heart to live for this Christ and to walk into the deeper things of God and the fullness of the Spirit of God? Desire is so crucial before we even start tonight. The desire in your life and your heart and the desire in this room is so crucial to what we're about to speak about. You know, whether we're young or we're old, we all have desires. And desires are a crucial part of our lives. But it's so important that as we move into this for a few moments, that our desires are for this promise of the Father. That there's a desire for the things of God because I say that, and I believe that there is a desire. But really tonight, if you're in this room and you have absolutely no desire, you have no interest, you have no faith to believe, 
then it's likely that you will go out exactly as you came. But if in the depths of your heart, regardless of what people think around you, if they're in the depth of your heart, there actually is a desire put there by the Holy Spirit to live for God and to know God and to walk in His ways and to know this life, this overcoming life. You know, we're seeing more and more that so many believers are not moving into the fullness of the Spirit and living in that victory that Christ has paid for us on the cross. There's very much a dissatisfaction with trying to live a life but being subject to sin and to live a life of defeat and the enemy would condemn us and play all those games with us. But there is a life in Jesus and that is the life that overcomes sin, that sin shall not have dominion over you and that you live a life in the victory and in the fullness and in the power of the Spirit of God. Somewhere along the line, somewhere, we have come to a place today that people can make a decision, get saved, and then we leave them in some way to try to live this life in the strength and in the power of their own flesh. And living in defeat and all the problems and the sin and everything that comes with that, and somewhere, somewhere along the line, we have left off the essential, the essential part of being a, a Christian, and that is to walk in the fullness and in the power of the Spirit of God. And I want to encourage you tonight. I believe that the two most important things is for a man or a woman to get saved, but straight away. I don't know why we wait. I don't know why we go through the motions of church for so long, but straight away, I believe the next thing. A man or a woman or a young person wants to get saved. We should be encouraging them straight away to seek the baptism in the Holy Ghost with power to live this life for the Lord Jesus Christ. He has a gift for you. It's from the Father and it comes in the name of Jesus and it is the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Now whatever we plan for this year, Whatever our thoughts, our ambitions are, or our aspirations, our prayers, our longings, and the callings of God in our lives, we know that there will be mountaintops and valleys. Don't you know that? 2020, it was said here first, but it is going to come. There'll be mountaintops, there'll be valleys. We know there's going to be disappointments. We know there's going to be victories. We know there's going to be times of brokenness. We know there'll be famines. And we know that there'll be floods, but there has to be a determination in the saint of God's life. I want to encourage you, we must be determined, as Paul said, he was determined. There has to be a determination as we enter this year that we will walk close to Jesus and his cross, but we will also walk in the fullness and in the power of the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not optional, but somewhere or somehow it has become optional. It was a commandment of the Lord when he said, Tarry ye in Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now I want to encourage you tonight. The wind of God is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It is a promise of the Father. And after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we read the wonderful account 
in Luke chapter 24. If you want to turn to it, I'll touch on a couple of things. But in Luke chapter 24, we read the wonderful account of two followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, two disciples of the Lord. I believe this is probably one of the greatest Bible studies that's ever taken place recorded in Scripture. Two men are coming away speaking of the things that had happened in Jerusalem. And the Lord Jesus Christ draws alongside these two disciples. Somehow, we're not sure how, but somehow they were blinded to the reality that who was walking with them was Jesus, the resurrection and the life. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 27, Jesus began, or beginning at Moses and all the prophets, expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What a meeting that must have been. You think about it for a moment. The Lord Jesus Christ begins to expound to them right from Moses through every one of the prophets, everything concerning himself. What a Bible study. What a meeting to be a part of. And then it says in verse 30, as they yielded him or called him to come in, it says it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to them. Verse 31. And I pray that this would be your prayer tonight. And their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. You know, this is what the Bible tells us. It's the devil that has blinded the minds of them that believe not. You're here tonight and you cannot see what we're saying. You don't understand why we sing and what we're singing about. I want to tell you very clearly what's happened to you. It is the devil that has blinded your mind that you cannot see. Here we see a supernatural moment with these two disciples. He opens their eyes. And then it says this, and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. You know, one of the great privileges of a believer is the ability to see, to have sight. I was once blind, but now I see. And then if you go on down, something else happens supernaturally. Because these disciples, although they were walking from Jerusalem, after their encounter with the Lord, and he opens their eyes, they begin to make their way back to Jerusalem to find the 11 disciples. In verse 45 of the same chapter, you follow it for a moment. It says this, Then he, then opened he their understanding. They have instructed them of what has happened. And the Lord comes and then enters this room. Then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Can I just stop for one minute? Would you pray with me? Because we're going to pray this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you open our understanding that we might understand what you're saying? Lord, tonight I pray, oh God, in this meeting, Lord, for myself, I pray for all my brothers and sisters and those that even, even do not know you. Lord, I ask tonight, Lord, by the power of your spirit, Lord, that you would enlighten our understanding, that we might understand what you're saying. Lord, forgive us if it's just familiar, 
and we've heard it all before and we're going through the motions and know the words but don't have the reality of what you're saying or what you want to do so Lord we're asking we're asking and believing Lord would you open our understanding that we might understand what you're saying in Jesus name and everyone said Amen. Amen he said unto them verse 46 thus it is written and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem and ye are the witnesses of these things verse 49 is a crucial verse I remember God would you give us understanding tonight open our understanding and behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high now in this upper room in Acts chapter 2 the wind of God the wind of the Holy Spirit is about to blow in what a moment in history recorded for us reading this tonight this upper room where these disciples had obeyed him gathered together in his name waited and tarried in Jerusalem because there was a promise and it was a promise from the Father it was in the name of Jesus and it was the blessed and is the blessed Holy Spirit as they're gathered in this upper room there's 120 men and women and young people I believe it would be very much largely like this congregation tonight just ordinary people men women boys and girls but gathered in obedience to the word of God waiting for the promise of the father the wind of God was about to blow in to that upper room the Bible tells us in John 4 24 that God is a spirit this is a spiritual thing it is a supernatural move of God God is a spirit Jesus had promised them that the comforter which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father this is John 14 26 whom the Father will send in my name he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you the Holy Ghost the Father will send them in the name of Jesus it's the promise of the Father tarry ye and wait until you be endued with power from on high this is entirely spiritual this is a spiritual encounter it's God's promise I'm repeating this often it's the promise of the Father he'll come in the name of Jesus Christ and the baptism is for all who believe the wind of God if ever before in this world that the church of Jesus Christ needs an encounter with the Holy Ghost and a baptism of power 
to live this life and to proclaim this gospel. It's today. If ever we need an encounter, we may have been filled before. We may have been baptized before in the Holy Spirit. We may have had encounters in days gone by. And we have. And we praise the Lord for all of those things. But as we look into this year, 2020, more than ever before, we need the power of the Holy Ghost to fill every vessel and every life in this room that we would know a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord. Three things happen when the wind blows. Three things happen when the wind blows. In Acts chapter 2, if you go back there, and verse 4, I want to show you three things that will happen when the wind of God blows and pray that he blows in this room tonight. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Do you notice what happened in the upper room? And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Every single disciple. I know, I know tonight that the opposers of the baptism and those that are resisting such a thing would love it if the scripture says, and about 80 of them get filled and 40 didn't. But here we find that God is an inclusive God. We see here that every single vessel that was in the upper room, without exception, was filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to ask you tonight, believer, how many people in this room genuinely has a desire to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Some, most, I think all. But I tell you, until we come to recognize that this is essential, it's absolutely essential, and we are in a desperate stage in this seat of time, that what we need more than anything else is the power of the Holy Spirit. Every vessel in that upper room was filled because God is no respecter of persons. So important. God is no respecter of persons. No big people, no wee people. God desires to fill every vessel that he saved and fill them with the Holy Spirit. We read the story, if you turn over in the second Kings in chapter 4, we read there a story of a woman. And I just wonder sometimes really how desperate we are. If we really see where we've come to, if we really understand where we are in time, and really where we are in even examining our own lives. You know, are you not tired? I just want to ask someone tonight, in this room, just a few listeners off the Lord. Are you not tired of being called or being named by the name of Jesus, but living a life constantly in defeat and under the footprint of Satan and constantly living a life of defeat when God has purchased for you a life of victory in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit? Have you got to the point now where you're like this woman? And maybe there's one, but I believe there's more. That this woman in 2 Kings chapter 4 understood and knew the reality of the condition that she was in. She seen the need. 
It tells us there that there was a woman, verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 4, neither cried a woman. And thank God that there's a cry. Thank God there's a desire in this woman's heart. She's a widow woman. The creditors had come to take her sons, but she had a desire within her, and she turned to the prophet of the Lord. And I want to ask you, come back to this word desire tonight, this understanding where we are in our lives, an examination of our own walk. If we look back over 2019 and we look at our lives and we see where we are and we're and it's important the Bible says that we're to examine ourselves. But really, this woman had come to a stage where there was such a desperation in her life that she needed to get to the prophet. She needed an answer for where she was. And there was a cry in her heart. Is there a cry for reality? Is there a cry for the power of God? Is there a cry for the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Is there a cry for the, the normality of what has become to be broken by the living reality and the showers and the blessing of God and the victory that there is in Jesus? Is there a desire to see the church raised up out of the, out of the ashes and out of the death and the backsliding to really come into a place and to touch the living reality of God and the power of God to be poured out in our midst. You know, this morning, uh, Jim and Wilma, as they left, but Wilma said, and the last time I think she was here a couple of years ago on New Year's Eve, she uh, had a, a word from the Lord. It was a vision from the Lord. But as she was leaving today, she was teary and she says, I, I, I don't believe this, but the Lord's given me another vision this morning when I was in this service. And this is what she said, and I believe it to be the Lord, and it's important that we keep a note of it. She said, this place, and there's been so many words like it, but this place, she said, this place is a powerhouse. But the difficulty is, she said, we haven't plugged into the power. It's like a plug that needs plugged in for the power of God to come out. And she says, when this church plugs into the power, this church will be a lighthouse and it will shine in this county of time. I believe that. You see, brothers and sisters, it's not enough for us to know the outward workings of something. We must come into the reality of the living power of God in our lives. It's not just enough to say the right things and, and do the right things, but it's coming into the living reality of the power of Almighty God. Let me ask you, is that your desire? Is your desire to, to, to plug in, as it were, to the living reality of the power of God, filling your life to overflowing and living a life of victory for Jesus and overcoming sin and proclaiming the gospel and the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God? Praise the Lord, that's my desire. And we can't just go along saying, well, we have words that God would do it. I don't mean that disrespectfully. But there has to come a point for us as a body that we go beyond just that we know and that we understand what God has said, but we enter into the fullness of the power and the reality of the Spirit of God. Here's a woman that cried from her heart because there's a desire and she sees the moment that she's come to. Verse 3 and 2 Kings chapter 4, the Bible says here, she's instructed of the prophet, go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even 
Empty vessels borrow not of you. <clears throat> when are come in, shut the door upon thee and thy sons, and you shall pour out into the, all those vessels, and thou shalt set it aside that which is full. And so she went from him, and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And what does it say in verse 6? And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. <laughs> Every single vessel that was in that house was filled. And it was only when there was no more vessels, nothing else was filled. You know, if you're saved tonight, you are a vessel of the Lord. And it is God's purpose to fill you with the power of the Spirit of the living God. This filling is a separate experience to your conversion. When you were saved, like the disciples in John chapter 20 and verse 22, the Lord Jesus Christ in the resurrection, after the resurrection, met the disciples and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, and he breathed on them. At that point, they became partakers of the divine nature of God. They were born of the Spirit, and they were new creatures in Christ. He instructed them that they should go to this upper room. And when they went to that upper room, the wind of the Spirit would blow into that place, and every vessel, every believer, that is what God's will is, was filled with the Holy Ghost. And you may ask the question, and many of the questions that are often asked, well, what is God's will for my life? Well, I want to tell you from God's word what God's will is for all our lives. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17. I want to know what God's will is for my life. And surely you do as well. When Ephesians 5 and verse 17, it says these words. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding. Remember, we prayed for God to give us understanding of his word tonight. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. I want to know what God's will is for my life. Do you? You want to know what the will of the Lord is? If you do, would you say amen? amen. You want to know God's will? Well, here it is in Scripture. Be not drunk with wine. We're in his excess. But be filled. But be filled. Here is the will of God. But be filled with the Spirit. Speak. To yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and submit yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Here's the will of God for your life tonight, saint of God, that we are to be filled with the Spirit. God wants to fill your life with his spirit. That is the will of God, and that's what we must understand. Earlier this year, I don't know whether any of you seen it or heard about it, but earlier on, sorry, last year, there was an archaeologist that was doing an archaeologist do, I think they were excavating somewhere over in Egypt. And as he's excavating this particular area near, I think it's where the pyramids is or whatever, 
But they were working in this area and they were digging and looking and finding, trying to find things and working away. But then what happened was, as they were doing that, the wind began to blow. Just a way they say sometimes in those deserts, a wind can pick up very quickly. But there was a wind. There was a wind that began to blow. And as the wind deepened in its strength, it began to blow the sand that was near them just on a little mound and the wind continued to blow harder and then suddenly as the sand was being removed there was an uncovering under that sand you know when God's wind blows things become or things begin to be uncovered what they find they said was a treasure in their terms but what they find was a mummy, not a mummy, but a mummy like, a, like an Egyptian mummy. And that mummy had been there, they say, for 2,000 years. And they're working just beside it, but not until, and this is important to hear this tonight, not until the wind began to blow. That mummy lay there for 2,000 years. But then when the wind was blowing, there was an uncovering of that mummy. You know the wind's going to blow in 2020. I want you to hear me tonight, saint of God, the wind is going to blow. There's going to be a blowing of this wind, the Holy Spirit. It's when the wind blows and the dealings of God really begin that things that have been buried for a long time are uncovered. It's so important that you know this tonight because we must know that God is coming back for a glorious bride and a victorious church. In the uncovering, I want you to hear this, God's purpose is always to rescue. Jesus comes to rescue. But there can be things or stumbling blocks that they're often called in church life that lie dormant for a very long time. We can come in, we can go out, we can do whatever we're doing, and we can go through all of that year after year after year after year after year. But when the wind of God blows, God begins to deal. God begins to deal with his body. God begins to uncover the things that so easily are buried and God begins to deal with those things to bring them to the surface for the purpose, for the purpose that he would sanctify his church in order that he would pour out his spirit in it and through it. Now as you're sitting here tonight, as I'm here, all of us are in this room. We're believing for, looking to and longing for a moving of the Spirit of God. Sometimes, sometimes, the reason why the Spirit of God is hindered or resists from moving the way He desires to move is because there are things in our lives that have been buried under the sand, if you like, that are stumbling or hindering the moving of the Spirit of God. In these things, the scripture talks of many different things that God would be grieved at, but we find them often buried into the heart of a man or a woman. 
We can pray, we can ask, we can believe, we can sing, we can cry unto the Lord. But really what God wants to do is go beyond the surface of all of these things and go deeper into our hearts to make us ready for the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Stumbling blocks are things like unforgiveness in a heart. These are the things that actually hinder the Spirit of God moving. You know, I could just skip all this because it would be easier, but I know I can't because it's important that the sanctifying work of the Lord is allowed to take place in His body. And so there can be things in our lives like unforgiveness or pride or immorality or sins that are in our lives that nobody may know about, but those things that hinder God from moving. There can be judgmental spirits. There could even be adultery in a heart. There could be fornication. There could be a lying spirit. There could be things in our lives, an unsubmitted spirit. But all of those things are the hindrances to the Spirit of God moving and having His way. In all of this, I just want to encourage you tonight. God is about to move by His Spirit. The purpose of the message tonight is not to expose you to anybody, but the purpose of the message is that you'd come with a repentant heart and get right with God because God's about to move. Things that hinder and stifle the work of God in assembly, God will uncover individually for the purpose to restore and to reconcile to himself. So it's important tonight if we come genuinely, sincerely seeking to be filled with the Holy Ghost as best as we know and unless the Spirit of God reveals it to you, Come with a heart that is open to allow the Spirit of God to work in that heart and confess and repent of those things that you know that have been a hindrance in your life. Otherwise, we're playing a game with God. So we must come and rend our hearts and say, God, we are sincere and we confess our weaknesses and our flaws, but Lord, we need that baptism in the Holy Spirit. The wind will blow. Someone mentioned to me last week, if God really moves, do you think there'd be another Ananias and Sapphira? I said, God forbid that it would be so. But we are looking for God to move in his great power. And we're longing for God to purge the vessel, the church. And we're seeing in these days, even today, that the wind is already blowing. It's already blown. What happens when God empowers his church? Number two is found in verse 14 of Acts chapter 2. And this is so important for our nation, for our time, for our family, and for the church of Jesus Christ. But what happens in Acts 2.14 when the church is filled and the wind has blown? It says there that Peter standing up with the eleven he lifted up his voice the church is given its voice do you know there's a lot of voices in this world there's a lot of opinions 
even in the church. There's an awful lot of ideas that are around us today. There's an awful lot of voices that are coming and van. But the voice that comes from the church, a trumpet call that Christ is about to come, that there is a call for repentance and to be put right before the Lord. The voice of the church is heard again because the church has a Holy Ghost boldness. If you turn over a couple of chapters, you'll note in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13 that what they noted about the disciples and the followers of the Lord in verse 13, sorry, of chapter 4. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they have been with Jesus. What happens when God's wind blows? Not only is everyone filled, but the church has a voice with a Holy Ghost boldness. If ever we need this, it's today. That voice, it's a spiritual thing and it's a, it's a boldness in the spirit. The voice of the church comes with a boldness and with and authority. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 14. This is why we need the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Romans 10 and verse 14. How then shall they call in him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How shall they hear without a preacher? Brothers and sisters and everyone that's saved in this room, can I tell you something? You are a preacher. You're an evangelist for the Lord Jesus Christ. What we need in order to be an effective evangelist is the baptism in the Holy Ghost and anointing and the power of God to preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. When the wind blows, everyone is filled, but everyone has a voice. Your voice with a boldness in God not only will there be a voice, but lastly, and this is really what we long to see. Lastly, Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when that voice is raised up and the gospel is proclaimed. The gospel is proclaimed. Acts 2 and verse 37 says these words. After Peter had lifted up his voice, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What a day this was when the wind of the Holy Spirit blew into an upper room. Not only were they filled, not only did the church have a voice, 
But 3,000 souls would be swept in to the kingdom of God. How many people long for the wind to really blow in the town of Balnehens? How many are really longing for the wind of God to blow across this nation again? How many are really longing to see men and women and young people and boys and girls truly, wonderfully born again of the Spirit of the living God? How many are really longing to see men born, delivered, out of the powers of sin and darkness and shame and addiction and wickedness, but truly by the power of the Spirit of the living God, truly saved, washed in the blood, born, delivered out of the powers of darkness and brought in to the kingdom of God. It only happens when God's wind blows. It tells us in John 3 and verse 6, that which is born of the flesh, what is it? It's the flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is the Spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it comes and whether it goes. So everyone that is born of the Spirit. We need the power and the wind of the Spirit to blow. If we don't have that, guess what happens? Nothing. No one's saved. No one's set free. No one's delivered. No one's brought out of the kingdom of darkness. No one is born of the Spirit of the living God. We need the wind of God the blue. The Bible says in John 16 and 8, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Just a sermon of eight minutes long brought in 3,000 souls into the kingdom of God as the wind blew on the day of Pentecost. How many people have experienced the wind of God? If you're saved, you should put your hand up right away. Because you can't be saved without the wind. There's been many times, I believe, over my Christian experience, and many people have been part of the same meetings that I've been part of, that truly we've experienced a moment when the wind of the Spirit of God has blown in to a congregation not unlike this one. There's been some of the most amazing moments when suddenly, suddenly, the wind of God has blown into a room. We've seen at those times, one time in particular, I think there must have been maybe about 200 people in Forestside, a mom and dad's church. There must have been about 200 people in that room and the wind of God blew in. Every vessel, as far as I know it, and certainly every vessel around me, every single vessel in that room that night 
were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And a roar went up into that room that night of praise and adoration unto God. So wonderful was the moment. An eight-year-old girl standing at the front of the church. To those that were there, you should remember it. And her two wee hands shot straight up in the air. And the next minute, God wonderfully filled her with the power of the Holy Ghost. And she began to speak in tongues. It's when the wind blows. It's when the wind of God begins to blow. In a smaller measure. And I certainly don't want in any way to exaggerate, but I'll tell you as it was and I have before. But I will continue to testify of the things because it gives you the taste and it whets your appetite for God to do it again. But I think it was 2005 in a women's prison in Zimbabwe. A moment that I'll certainly never forget. But as we walked into that prison, an old prison, 300, 400 women, not sure exactly, were all gathered into like a hall, a cement slab floor, no walls, like a tin type roof. And they all sat, if you had a yellow gown, you were uh, imprisoned. If you had a red gown, you were on remand. So there was a mixture of 300 or so, 400 women sitting all on the floor. We had about five minutes to share the gospel. The prison guards were down each side. There was a whole entourage of security with us. We had five minutes to share the gospel. Share the simple truth of the gospel. Step back and at that moment, the wind, that's all I can say, the wind of the Holy Spirit blew in across those three to four hundred women. Suddenly, there were tears. They began to weep. They began to cry out for mercy. We simply asked of those who want to give their lives to Christ, stand where you are because we couldn't go near them. And all across that place, I don't know how many, but many stood up and they began to worship and praise the Lord and cry out to God for salvation as the wind of God. And we just stood, we just became, this is what it was like. We were spectators as God took the field. God just moved. There was nothing special about us. It was just simply the gospel. But it was the power and the demonstration of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, do we not long for God to move in like manner here in Balna Hinch? Surely he hasn't changed. Surely he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And surely he's the same in Balna Hinch as he is in Harare prison. But oh God, tonight we're asking for the wind to blow again. We're asking for God to come and to fill our lives afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're asking for mercy on our lives because of the things that are buried in our hearts. May God help us tonight as we come to the altar of grace and say, Lord, 
Would you deal with us in your mercy? But Lord, above everything we desire, God, we don't want to live another year of defeat and walking around mountains and walking through misery and no victory over the powers of darkness and no victory over sin when he has paid for our victory tonight. Lord, would you fill every life with the power of the Holy Spirit? Would you give us a voice in our homes, in our workplaces, on our streets, in this time, give us a voice, a holy boldness. But Lord, would you blow across this land and may souls be born of the Spirit. When the wind blows, Lord, there's no mechanism that we can do. Actually, do you know what I do believe? I believe even someone sitting here tonight that maybe doesn't even have an interest. You know what the awesome thing about God is? God can give you an interest in the click of a finger. It's an amazing thing. You actually might even have a desire. Actually, you might be sitting with bitterness in your heart. You might be sitting here hoping that nothing does happen. But I realize something about God. He's not going to be put in anybody's box. I've realized that in a moment, do you know what the amazing thing is? In a moment, he could save a boy or a girl or a man or a woman and fill them with the Holy Ghost all at the same time. <coughs> because he's an awesome God. Yeah. You may be here tonight and you may not have any interest. Aren't you glad that God took an interest in us when we didn't have an interest in him? Not the whole essence of the gospel when we turned our backs on him, yet he still pursued us and he saved us. That even in our hearts tonight, we may not be galloping up to the top of the hill with all the faith. We might be tired or weary in body or mind. We might be, might be backslidden in heart. We may have a wrong attitude. Yet in all of that, there's a wonderful, merciful Savior. And he's saying, I will. I have a gift for you. It's from my Father. It's in my name. And it's the Holy Spirit. How we all need to be filled again. And filled initially. But filled we must be with the Holy Spirit. God, help us tonight to wait in your presence, to let you have your way, to move in our hearts. Have you desire to be filled with God? Have you desire for his precious gift? Then let us ask him tonight. Let us come with sincere and genuine hearts. Can we take a few moments just to pray? If you don't mind tonight. Just to pray and to wait on the Lord just for a few moments tonight.